welcome to the Mindset Change Podcast with me, your host, Paul Shepard. Now, if you want to take your anxiety healing to another level, then you cannot miss my interview with Dennis Simsek, who, like myself, shunned traditional approaches to help himself heal his anxiety and now shares his wisdom with the world as the host of the Anxiety Guy podcast. He's also the author of four incredible books about anxiety, including The Essential Guide to Health Anxiety and Beyond Anxiety. Now, if you've not yet subscribed, please do, as it helps the show grow. And more importantly, you won't miss another episode. So here comes my interview with Dennis. There is a lot of gold in this interview, so please do listen to the end. And I'm honored to welcome Dennis Simsek. How are you? Fantastic, my friend. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. It's, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here because uh, our work is so similar in lots of uh, lots of ways. So I think this would be a great conversation for the people listening to this show. Um, I want to do a little bit of a mm. deep dive in how you got to be known as the anxiety guy because uh, your podcast, your books are everywhere. Um, and just get to get a sense of what led you to where you are now, just so you can share with me a bit of your journey about your experiences and then we'll do a deep dive. Sure. Yeah, and we even look alike. Exactly. In terms yeah. of the deep dive, uh, how I got here, you know, it was um, anxiety for me started very young, in fact, in the womb. And uh, it wasn't until later on in my adult years where I recognized that it did start in the womb and um, and all the emotional distress that went on with, you know, uh, mother and, and, and father and that sort of thing in the childhood years. Uh, so I struggled a lot until my mid-20s. When I was in my mid-20s, um, multiple anxiety disorders started to hit me, you know, the real diagnoses, and I wasn't diagnosing myself anymore. I had to find out what was going on because my life was spiraling. Uh, there was a point there where I actually um, thought about suicide until my son was born. And when my son was born, I named him Hayet, which means life in Turkish, and he really did give me life. So uh, from that moment forward, I wrote my first book. Uh, people actually read it, even though I, I'm not very proud of it. You know, <laughs> your first book is always, you know, kind of iffy. But uh, <laughs> from then on, uh, I decided, hey, you know, uh, this is a little space that that I can add something to and my own little version of healing and recovery. And let's see if we can help people. And, and from there, you know, it was uh, it was all uphill from there. And the anxiety guy sort of took off and it's been fun ever since. I mean, it's quite an amazing journey and you're very open and candid in your, uh, you know, what I've looked at your book so far, I'm, I'm loving your latest book. Um, it is Beyond Anxiety is your latest book. There's four books, isn't there, um, that you have out? Four books. That's right. Four books. That's right. Four um, books. Yeah. Yeah. And um, when you were when you were struggling with anxiety, you you talk um, in the book the um, the essential guide to health anxiety. Um, about your health anxiety was that your, was that the main focus for you health anxiety or was there something else going on it was interesting because it, it, my anxiety which seems to be the case for a lot of people morphed from one thing to the other mm. <laughs> it was yeah. you know 
It was, uh, oh, there's the agoraphobia. Okay, well, I'll spend, you know, the next few months on that. And then, oh, there's the panic disorder. And now I'm experiencing panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And and next came the health anxiety. And then that kind of morphed into generalized anxiety. Next thing I know, I've got this soup of anxiety. And I'm not really sure of which one to really tackle. So anxiety healing can be very confusing and very frustrating. Um, but, uh, in my own life, uh, it's interesting how I was led to all these different labels and I carried around those labels on my forehead every single day for a quite a long time. In fact, longer than I needed to. And the real change started when I started to, uh, you know, find that the power and the answers were, were actually coming from within rather than always relying on someone or something on the outside to give me answers to in terms of my healing. So uh, it, it was one of those things where I said the, the coping and the managing seems to come from outside information hmm. and, and other things. But the true healing will come from the inside and it took a certain degree of courage in order for me to really admit that to myself. But the, that was the beginning uh, the steps that took me to where I am today. I love that you said about the power thing. It's, I've done a few meditations about accessing the way that we, you know, how we connect within ourselves. Um, but sometimes you get this resistance and you might have experienced it when I sit here with a client in my office and I'm saying, you know, you do have the answers within you. You know, I'm going to, I'll help guide you to that point, but you have so much wisdom, you have so much insight. Um, and you get this look of disbelief from people's faces. Mm -hmm. If it's to say, what are you talking about? Just tell me how to sort myself out. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. So did you, mm -hmm. how did you get to that point of knowing that you had the answers within? Where did that come from? So what was interesting um, just to touch on that really, really quickly in my own journey and people that you know c come to me for help is that the more I used to ask the question of how to do something, hmm. uh, the more I recognized where that was really coming from. The how was in fact a real deep defense mechanism from my own subconscious mind trying to keep me confused and keep me in a state of anxiety. So you hear a lot of people ask how, well, how do I do it? How do I do it? And once they do sort of understand and take a leap forward and do something, that subconscious mind or inner child, I like to call it, um, will quickly show up and give you reasons in terms of why it won't work. And then you'll go asking how over and over and over again. Next thing you know, you've got this perpetual state of anxiety and irrational mm -hmm. fear that you constantly live in throughout the day. So just touching on the how really quickly in terms of my own healing, if there's anybody out there that finds that they're always asking the question of how, it's really this, uh, this connection coming from the subconscious mind trying to keep you within the habits, the patterns, and the labels that are connected to anxiety for the sake of protection. Right. So if we can really understand how deep this stuff really goes, mm. I think we can begin to really work with the parts of us that uh, are highly motivated 
to keep the elements of anxiety alive, if that makes sense, right? Because yeah. with anxiety, there is a very deep level of motivation coming from the deeper parts of you to keep you in this state. So whether it be agoraphobia or health anxiety, generalized, whatever the label you've been given, there is a real specific and important reason the subconscious mind is keeping that alive, right? And the, the mm -hmm. sooner we can work with that rather than try to look for a finish line, the quicker we're going to heal. Yeah. So what would you say to suggest to someone who has anxiety symptoms and they mm -hmm. want to get deeper with, to, to get to that root, to get to the reason as to why they might self-sabotage their, their healing progress. I mean, because I remember I sabotaged the hell out of my anxiety. And I'm like, yes, I want to get better. And then I just continued doing the things which kept it in my life, even though I knew I shouldn't be drinking so much caffeine or messing around with my bedtime, you know, or exercising or the basics. I really did drag my heels to, to get to that point. And it was that mm -hmm. work that deep within that did make a big change. But what would you say to someone who's who's experiencing that but doesn't know how to connect with it. So what I would say is that um, stop trying to recover from what the label is, number one, and start mm -hmm. looking to build a better relationship with the irrational fears that are showing up as anxiety within you. So my recovery and a lot of people's healing came when they started to build a different relationship, meaning I'm no longer trying to run from or distract from the very things that are perpetuating my anxiety. So that's done. Mm. But now what's happening is I'm looking to build a connection. You know, what was interesting, Paul, with me was that during the beginning years that I started to feel more empowered. What was interesting was I started to speak verbally out loud to myself, to my deeper parts that were perpetuating the anxiety. Yeah, so yeah. I'm walking around and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself and people <laughs> are looking at me like, what is wrong with this guy, right? And I'm talking and I'm, I'm actually in my car, I'm yelling at myself. I'm trying to get the message across that these things that are, that are, that are uh, the anxieties that are showing up are all related to a memory from the past. And that memory is no longer present in the, in the present. Mm. So I'm no longer living based on the information from the past. I'm living based on a vision of the future. So that's the, uh, the motto that I had going forward. But the, the, the most important thing I would say is to start building a better relationship, a healthier relationship with the parts of you that are still so afraid of stepping outside your comfort zone. And that comfort zone doesn't mean just environmentally. That comfort zone is ways of thinking about things, ways of perceiving, ways of acting. You know, a lot of people in this world think that when they wake up in the morning, they have to be this one identity, mm -hmm. right? It's like a law. You have to be this way. And if you're given the label, that's what you are. It's not the case. You can be multiple people throughout mm. the day. In fact, you're running into somebody that you don't know. You can be whoever you want to be. So why not practice who you really want to be? <laughs> so honestly, for me, it came when I started to build a better relationship with that part of me that I call the inner child. And, you know, fear turned into love quite quickly.
Just a quick break, because I'm very excited about this. You see, you keep asking me for deeper, longer, and more varied subconscious meditations. You keep asking me for masterminds. You keep asking me for workshops. You keep asking me for meditations without the annoying intros and outros. Your feedback has been so invaluable. I have created for you a new channel. It's called Mindset Change Another Level. And it's for anyone who's serious about transformational life change. And to say thank you for supporting me, you'll get access to exclusive, deeper, longer, more varied subconscious meditations without intros and outros. I hear you. You'll be invited to members only masterminds. You get to engage with me on content that matters to you. You get the 10% discount on mindset change workshops and access to much more content that will appear nowhere else but on this channel. The library is gradually building, so there is a huge discount on being able to join right now before it goes up. The link to join, of course, is in the show notes, and I cannot wait to welcome you. I, that, is, that is absolutely wonderful. I'm glad you really you mentioned the inner child. I did a lot of training in transactional analysis. I don't know if you're familiar with the parent-child and uh, adult ego states, but there's a lot of inner child work that goes with that sort of process um so when you're connecting with your inner child what what's your intention with that part because obviously you want to change that relationship with the part that's trying to protect you and pretty much out of context because it's it's frightened and it's been conditioned to this is how we should really live life and as you said you mentioned you know it's the law we have to behave this way um how Mm. did you connect with how what what did you do with your inner child what was what was going on for you there so what was interesting was when I was suffering, I, um, prayer has a real important place in healing, right? Mm-hmm. I do believe that. But I relied on prayer to heal me without any sort of action coming from me. That was number one. That was a mistake that I made. Mm-hmm. Number two was hoping. You know, I hope this goes away or doesn't show up today, which creates more tension in the body, which perpetuates the anxiety, right? So... Instead of saying, oh, there's a, you know, something really, an element of anxiety connected to inner child that's showing up right now. I hope it goes away. Instead of doing that, what I started to do was I started to actually command my own inner child like I would command a, a new puppy that I just bought. Mm. Right. So it wasn't, oh, you know, uh, oh, I hope this anxiety doesn't get worse as I drive to work anymore. It was, hey, guess what? I know you're showing up right now to bring me back home so that I don't make a fool out of myself at work again. Thank you, inner child, for trying to protect me. But, you know, that programming is very, very old and doesn't suit where we are today in the present. So the biggest thing I started to do, Paul, was Mm. I started to command the inner child. And sometimes I did it gently and other times I did it very directly with a lot of emotion. Because the things that the inner child really understands in terms of what I've realized is uh, images. It understands, you know, visual imagery, that sort of thing. It understands feeling changes. So when your feelings change towards something, that's great. And it understands body language, things that you do differently with Mm. your body in terms of breathing, posture, and these sorts of things. So what was interesting was I I really commanded it. No, No, it's not like that. It's like this, right? 
And I didn't try to get rid of the sensations, the adrenaline, and that really helped me to recover. Right. Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a, I love that you do that. It reminded me of a, a client I was talking to the other day who was, whose inner child was waking them up at 4 a.m. in the morning with the most amazing mm-hmm. ideas for their work. Yeah, it's like 4 a.m., let's think about this, 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 and this. And my client was saying, just, mm. why can't you just shut up? I just don't want to be woken up at 4 a.m. And I said, well, why don't you just say to the inner child, this is really lovely, and I love the fact that we have these ideas, but can we just, can we do this at, 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. or some, you know, do something different here. And just by soothing it, the client said they nodded back off and they did, they created an Ah. appropriate time to have this conversation with their inner child. Whereas before it was just just shut up, trying, you know, trying not to think of things, which of course the brain says, are you still thinking if you're trying not to think? So it's a bit of a dangerous The the difficulty with that, the difficulty with, learning how to respond rather than react in line with the inner child, right? The, yeah, yeah. the, the two different ways of going about this, right? The difficulty with that is that it'll probably take you some time before the subconscious or the inner child actually gets on board. And this is what people need to understand, yeah. right? This uh, anxiety will make you feel like you have to look for quick fixes or else there's nothing else because mm. it's just such a, you know, such a cycle that you just want to get out of, right? But the truth is, is it this journey becomes easier once you attach a certain degree of enjoyment to what you're going through, just just a little bit, you know? It's like, you know, maybe this will teach me something. Maybe this will lead to some kind of new career choice. Or maybe, you know, there's something here that's that I need to go through in order to get to where, where I really want to go. You know, that really, really helps the journey instead of, going into a meditation or responding, practicing, oh, I got to do this again. And uh, there you are, you know, which only creates more tension and keeps, you know, keeps everything else alive. So, uh, yeah, those are important points. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really, I, I love that we've brought that inner child uh, stuff in already. Because, uh, again, it's something that you mention quite a bit in in your work so obviously it's had a deep we're going there yeah it had a deep profound effect on you and you know where we're going to go because there's there's an element to um your work you have a beautiful spiritual tone that was one of the reasons why i reached out to you uh dennis um and something i know that you as you mentioned before we came online was that it's something that there's been a hesitancy about so Again, it's. I'd like to to just to, just to bring that up because it's, it's it's beautiful that you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position to talk about this more Very. in your work. So um, yeah, let's let's go there. Let's let's bring this in because yeah. it's something that people do you're shy sure away from. Go yeah, yeah, well, you sure <laughs> want to go there? <laughs> I want to go there. Yeah. So uh, this, this, so so let's bring it in. So let's bring it in. Uh, no. What do you think has been? Let's go to the hesitancy side of things first. Why is there a hesitancy to bring in your spirituality into your work? What's going on for you there? Uh, So if we talk in terms of the majority of people, I think the hesitancy is there because of of subconscious programming as a child, that Mm. sort of thing. Uh, Belief systems that uh, were ingrained into a child that continued on to adulthood. And anytime somebody wants to take a leap into something else, there's a hesitation and that hesitation is based on what the inner child is trying to project, right? So there's that. Um, 
But as soon as I gave up those things, uh, not that my parents were very religious or anything like that, but what they did have to say was that there was a lot of bad ways of approaching life. And, and, and this came down to a number of different religious practices and spiritual practices um, growing up. So mm-hmm. n- none of it was good and none of it was worth you know, spending time on. There was a lot of doership in my life. Do, 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 and you'll get the result. Do, 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 and get the result. Um, there wasn't a lot of, like, allow things to show up as they may and, and, and you know, trust the process. There was not a lot of that. So my hesitancy came from, from my childhood programming more than anything, as does a lot of people. But what the spiritual practices gave me was this opportunity to realize that I didn't have to find all the answers myself. I didn't have to read like six books a week to heal my anxiety. Right? I didn't have mm-hmm. to watch every YouTube video that comes up from the person I'm subscribing to and this and that. I didn't have to be in doership for the rest of my life. Spiritual practices gave me the opportunity to say, you know what, there's a subconscious part of you that we've been talking about connected to inner child. There's a conscious part of you that, you know, likes to rationalize a lot of things and and logic and, you know, create the willpower you need to get the result. But guess what, Dennis, there's also a third part of you, right? And this can be connected to the superconscious or the higher self, right? Mm. And this higher self you, you can't really connect to that if you're always in a state of perpetual fear, right? And you're only using the other two parts and not giving the third part a chance to show up. So it wasn't until I let the third part or the higher self be a part of my anxiety recovery that I actually figured out the last 20 to 30% of my healing, if you want to call it that. And that had everything to do with waiting, meditating. I practice meditation twice a day, uh, visual imagery practices, um, grounding practices. Um, you know, um, basically what it was, was downloading knowledge that I couldn't get from somebody else. Um, and, and that was a really, really interesting part of my healing. I was downloading information. And I was downloading that information connected to the chapter I was in in my healing at that time, which was really interesting. Mm. And so I started opening up to it more and more. And and I realized that throughout the day, in order for you to really find that harmony and find that inner balance that will take you out of irrational fear and anxiety, you have to allow some higher source of energy to be a part of what it is you're trying to accomplish in your life internally or externally doesn't matter. Mm. Um, I'll never tell somebody that this religion is wrong and that spiritual practice is right. Never. I'll never do that because depending on the chapter you're in, you'll run into the information that you need and the entity and the energy or whatever it is that will, you know, guide you in that particular time. So um, those were a couple of, really interesting points. And I, and, and I got to a point where I wasn't clinging on to life so hard anymore. And, um, and I allowed things to show up as they may rather than try to fight for a result, which only caused me more anxiety.
No, I love that. That's beautiful. And, you know, it, obviously, this is still a, it's a, it's a never-ending journey, isn't it? So you, you're aware that you're still, mm. you know, just when you think you've got to one level, you know, I was meditating uh, before I came online with you for about half an hour. And it was such an interesting experience of just connecting with that high, my higher self. Um, mm. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but I actually was visualizing my higher self this morning. And oh. I've never saw my, I've never seen my higher self like that. I don't know where this imagery has come from. It's, just, it's, just, it's quite a strange thing. I was sat there thinking, is this what it looks like? I, where's this come from? Um, cool. What's, have you ever done anything like that? Have, did you ever visualize your higher self? Do you have a relationship where you're able to listen to that voice from within? Cause it's quite, you know, when it's there, it's like a, vibrates through mm. every cell in my body when that voice is just appearing. So what's it like for you? Yes. For me, uh, what's interesting was, is uh, the name Akasha or Akasha Nanda showed up in my life uh, just a few years ago. And when Akasha Nanda showed up, I started to um, think of my own overall identity as being connected more so to Akasha Nanda than to Dennis. Mm. And Dennis sort of died along the way. You know, sometimes someone will okay. yell like a friend will say, Dennis, and I'll keep eating. I'll have no idea. Oh, right. That's my name. <laughs> right. Okay. And so um, I have sort of disconnected from all the emotional baggage and the subconscious programming and all that sort of stuff coming from Dennis. And I have now reassociated myself to being closer to Akashananda, which to me is my own higher self. Um. And so this was very powerful because once you kind of allow the old you to die in all its entirety, mm. not talking about the physical body itself, but all the baggage, all the mental, emotional, and all the other stuff that shows up and the traumas, let that die off. And you allow yourself to open up to a brand new identity and name and everything that comes with that. It's almost like painting a new picture and you get to paint whatever you want on there, right? But uh, but it is interesting that when you're meditating and you, and you run into um, that sort of thing in connection with your higher self, because that happens to me often as well. You know, I've realized the subconscious really communicates through signs and symbols and and these sorts of things. It doesn't communicate in words so much, but it communicates in these weird things. Like I'll give you an example. Um, I do a lot of imagery work and somatic work with people, and uh, and when I was going through my healing. Um, I would ask myself, what does the, the fear look like in your stomach? Because there was a lot of nervous tension in my stomach mm. area there of what would show up in the future. And what showed up was a triangle. And the triangle showed up with these really um, sharp points to it. And, and I could feel the pain. And, you know, I, in fact, ran into a hernia that, in fact, either healed itself or something happened. Um, and it kind of went away. But I had to take that triangle you know, which was the symbol connected to fear to my inner child, pull it out physically, pull it out, uh, put it aside and bring in some kind of a different um, object or a shape in the form of a circle because circles maybe feel safe. Mm, <laughs> so nice. and the triangle was this black and red color, right? Sharp edges and stuff. Put that aside. Subconscious is going, what's going on here? Right. That's gone. <laughs> So I bring in the little bubble here with the blues and the greens, which makes me feel healed, right? 
And I start inputting that over day after day. I started putting that in my stomach, right? This and that. Mm. And so things started to happen at a physiological level, not just psychologically. And that was really interesting because uh, I didn't realize until that point that I needed to work with this, the languages that my inner child was putting on to me. Mm. Um, so maybe you can relate to something like that. <laughs> I, I I can. I, you know, it reminds me of, and I just had a flashback to a memory I've not had for a long time, but I, I remember seeking the help of a spiritual healer when I had really bad stomach cramps. And this is when I was going through quite a, a deep spiritual phase. And it was they did this healing in front of a big group of people. So I was very self-conscious. Uh, I was sat there and he had his hand on my stomach. And then I felt like I was going to spit something. So, and I'm sat there with this big group of people and I was thinking, I can't spit in front of these people. And then suddenly it felt like there was a pebble in my mouth. And then I spat something out. And I was terrified that I'd hit someone with whatever it was. Though No one said they, <laughs> there's nothing appeared. It was very, very a very strange experience. Um, but what was interesting was I was due to have an operation um, a couple of weeks later because of a blockage that had appeared, which was creating strong uh, IBS symptoms in my stomach. And when I had the operation, they couldn't find the blockage. So I don't know if that was to do with it or not. I don't know. At the, t at the time, I was just like, this is very strange. And they were saying, well, we can't find what we originally found from having a barrier meal from the scans. Um, so we, again, it's whatever it is, it's gone. And I also remember that experience. Mm. You know, it's the rational part of me was saying, well, maybe there wasn't a blockage. And uh, metaphorically, I spent something out. I don't know. It's one of these things which, uh, when you're talking about your situation with your stomach, I don't know. There's something that seems mm. to do something, isn't there? There's something that has a yes. powerful effect on healing. However, it whatever it yes. is that we do, and we might not be able to understand it, and the seeking of answers can lead to a lot of stress, I think, sometimes. And I think something, mm. I don't know if you ever hear from your inner, uh, your inner self, your higher self, is that whenever I explore and ask too much, I just get the word trust. It's almost like to surrender and just I let that, that go. Trust. You know, it's, it, and it keeps things Love quite it. simple. Yes, yes. Even when something's not going the way you want. I, I remember mm. uh, when I was meditating one day, uh, sometimes I get these quotes and these sayings and such. And mm. one of the things that came to me was, if it doesn't go your way, it goes the divine's way. And I took that mm. and I, I just kind of installed that into everything that I do throughout the day. And if something doesn't go the way I want it to go, Right away in a moment, I'm able to go, well, oh, yeah, get the frustration out of the way and go, you know what, this is, this is going the divine's way. And there's a reason for this as well. And then as you mentioned, trust comes in, right? So, so that was quite powerful as well, you know, because with anxiety, you're looking, to, you know, you're looking to, to hold on for as long as you can and control every aspect of not only your life, but, you know, other yeah. people's lives as well, right? So... That amount of certainty, you start to give up on that and you start to embrace uncertainty a little bit through the spiritual process, which, which I hope that people tap into sooner rather than later on the anxiety healing journey for sure. Yeah, and, and I, I love that you brought up the certainty part because a, a big part of my work, and I know it's a part of yours, is helping people become, um, to help realize that they can be more adaptable when it comes to uncertainty. 
you know, it's our addiction, our, you know, obsession. We're trying to find that stable ground, um, you know, trying to control a future that doesn't even exist, which is something that the anxiety kind of tricks us into that somehow we can attain if we overthink, if we overly control. Um, what would, brilliant? just looking at that subject alone, what would you recommend to anyone who is overthinking, ruminating to try and find that, you know, fool's gold, if we can call it that, you know, the unicorn of certainty. Um, yeah, with that kind of question, it's, it's a little bit difficult to answer because, you know, every journey is a little bit different and people are in different chapters in their healing, but overall, I think it's very, very important for people to prove to themselves that they can trust and embrace uncertainty. So what's really important is you want to look at your life and say, in what aspects do I have complete trust? Maybe that's in my relationship with my spouse, you know, never going to cheat on me, never going to, you know, get really pissed off for no reason, never going to do these things. Um, We have a great relationship. And I don't need to be certain of where they are all the time or who they're talking to or how much their money they're making. I don't need to know any of that stuff. I've got complete trust in this relationship and I embrace the uncertainty that comes with it. Great. If you can do it in that aspect of your life, why can't you do it in this part? And so I think it's important for people to bring to their full attention how they're already doing what they need to do for their anxiety healing. They're already doing it, right? Because a lot of people will use the words, I always, I always get this symptom every morning. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Right? I always react this way. Are you sure? Right? These are things to question, right? I have no trust in any aspect of my life. Are you sure? So, um, so it's important for people to understand that they're a lot more powerful then they give themselves credit for, and they are also uh, they they do have a lot of ability to embrace uncertainty, to leave something alone, to trust in the future, to uh, to do all these things. They already have all these things within them, but sometimes you got to bring it to the forefront and say, you know what, here it is, and all you have to do which is a really cool NLP technique, in fact, is kind of this uh, swoosh technique, right? Where you go and you you go from one uh, part of your life to another and you say, well, if I could bring this person from here into my morning anxiety, what would that look like? Fantastic, right? And you do that a number of times and next thing you know, there's no more morning anxiety. So um, that's, that's that's a good starting point, I feel. Yeah, no, absolutely. And going back into, I think, just touching again into the relationship with anxiety, relationship with uncertainty. I mean, I think we we have both come through having anxiety disorders. And looking back, I now see my anxiety as a total gift, something that's woken me up, something that uh, has given me so much. I mean, it's made me more empathetic. It's made me work on myself a lot more to develop my relationship with myself on levels I've never would have been able to dream of. Um, and that's something that I, I work with clients about. It's changing that relationship, looking at the benefits of anxiety. What is it asking of you? Do, do you see anxiety that way for you? I, I guess you do, but just as a, just as, to see what your, your answer. Yeah. So you see it as a gift. What, what do you think it gave, Absolutely. gave you? Yeah. It gave me everything. It gave me everything. It gave me 
the ability for me to to feel more empowered and the ability you know a lot of personal things but also career wise it gave me the ability to to give back to people so it gave me a lot of things internally and then externally and such but i love how you mentioned that um you know you can you're starting to use the anxiety or in certain ways um or take the tools and the lessons from the past and apply them into the present because i i think you know, it's interesting how somebody asked me this question of Dennis, what would be the quickest way to move away from anxiety and into another state? Mm-hmm. I found this interesting. Uh, and the first thing that came to me was, you know, see the anxiety as something that's good. <laughs> you know, all the elements. Mm-hmm. All right. So the adrenaline, good. Right? Cortisol, adrenaline, good. Um, the anxiousness, good. The symptom trying to protect me, good. Right. If you're going to be there, that's fine. But the problem isn't so much the actual mental or the physiological symptoms. It's the add-ons that we tend to uh, build uh, that tends to move us into anxiety and away from anxiousness. So, uh, yeah, so that's uh, those are a couple of important points, but I love that. Um, I got to a point, you know, a lot of people with me think I sit around and meditate all day. I don't. <laughs> I, I only meditate a very small part of the day. The other is, I. What's interesting today is, I, I don't have this the physical symptoms. I don't have the mental symptoms, but I have a jolt for life. I've got this excitement mm-hmm. for the future, right? I've got this thing, and that's no different than really my anxiety days in a lot of ways. This is something that people need to understand. Yeah, true, the, very the, true. the the the. The physiological response when I wake up in the morning in terms of anxiety and me experiencing inner peace today are very similar. However, I'm now using what's showing up rather than allowing it to use me, right? Or to lead me. And that's the biggest difference. Oh, I love that. I love that. I, 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 it's just the way that you, you're approaching it. Like, I love that you're saying good because again, it's, it's the physiology of excitement and anxiety are very similar. So I love that you're, again, that jolt for life is uh, something I can relate to. But when someone's feeling anxious, just to begin to welcome it and see it as a good thing, you know, it's, it's and to feel gratitude mm. for it. You try and hold gratitude and anxiety symptoms together at the same time. And I'd say good luck at that challenge. Um, it's not easy. It's very hard. Yeah. No, it's not easy. So um, what do you think, what, you know, looking at, you know your work um you have a a definite approach to working with anxiety which is holistic i really i really uh, resonate with that but what why do you think the traditional approaches towards treating anxiety i think i i hear a lot of clients have tried so many different things and it's failed mm. so they mm. kind of come quite despondent and uh, you know this isn't going really, to is this really going to work yes. for me you know so why yes. do you think traditional approaches have got it so there. wrong with yeah with clients what is it that, what's your experience of them i think that when you look at first line of answers to anxiety i think they're very uh, outdated and they don't mm. take into consideration some of the things that actually work very very quickly um, and if you look at the eastern world you know you'll find a lot of things that work very very quickly um if we want to go deep into this direction, I believe that a lot of the answers to anxiety today that are very available um, don't really heal, but they keep you managing and coping anxiety, and coping with anxiety. 
So they're, they're not meant to heal you, but they're meant to keep you in a fear-centered place because if we want to go in this direction, I believe it's very profitable, mm -hmm. number one. Um, yeah. Number two, I believe that um, in most countries and cultures today, there is a very, um, um, there's like zombie consciousness, I call it. And, and it's this one person that looks and feels and acts the same way as the next person and the next person and so on and so forth. So anytime you come into the picture and say, you know what, that doesn't work, but this will work a lot faster. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of, a lot of people today that, uh, that are, you know, God bless them trying to help anxiety sufferers don't really like the idea that you can heal something quickly. Um, it's this, you know, long five, six, seven years of, of, of talking about your stuff or CBT, which is great, but again, doesn't work as be, uh, as good as other skill sets that I've encountered and Eastern approaches. Mm -hmm. um, so I believe that there is a system. I believe that there are these, um, these things that are in place to keep a person in a uh, fear-centered belief system towards everything that they do so that they never really... They never really find their true selves, right? And I believe that uh, there there are <laughs> there are higher ups there that are afraid of us finding our true selves because now all of a sudden we are taking control and questioning certain things. And, and there's a lot of things out there that uh, uh, they're trying that trying so that we don't question. Um, but, what would you um, say would be a, a, yeah. so? What would you say would be an Eastern practice that would help someone? I, I agree with you about CBT because, the, the, you know, all through the years everyone's tried it at some point in time. And they're like, "Am, am I rubbish at CBT?" They say to me, "Am, am mm. I just not getting it?" And I'm like, "Well, it's focusing on the logical part of the brain, which isn't in charge when you're having an anxiety attack. The your emotional right. brain is taking over. So you're going to lose logical reasoning. So good luck trying a CT, CBT process <laughs> during a panic exactly. attack. Um, so what would you, what was, what would be an Eastern um, practice that someone could begin to look into or research? Oh man, there are, there are a lot, there are a lot of different, different, uh, well, in the Western world, we call them alternatives, but over there, they're mm. primary methods. Um, well, one, you could go with laughter yoga. I mean, the thing with anxiety or laughter therapy, yeah. for example, uh, just at the top of my head. Um, yeah. And and one thing that we lose with anxiety is our humor, right? And things get very mm. stagnant. They get very stiff, very tense, and we lose fun. We lose humor. Next thing you know, everything's serious, right? And that just perpetuates the cycle. So, you know, find a mirror uh, and just... For no particular reason, just start laughing hysterically and, and train yourself so that every time you look at a mirror, that becomes the anchor for you to laugh, right? Next thing you know, you're not looking at the mirror and judging yourself, but instead the anchor right. has now created the, this connection where mirror equals laughter, mirror equals humor, mirror equals lightness. And I think there's a lot of lightness that needs to start coming into anxiety sufferers' lives in order for them to truly feel free again. So laughter therapy, fantastic, right? And um, I mean, there are things like acupressure, which I believe does a pretty good job of 
of releasing some of the physiological blockages created by trauma. I believe acupressure does a pretty good job of that. Um, obviously, imagery practices in my work have done mm. tremendous things like hypnosis, even mild to more deep forms of hypnosis do a great job of, of kind of releasing stuff. But it does take a certain amount of willingness and courage to go there to look yeah. at the relationships and maybe the situations from the past and say, you know what, you know, and, and get rid of those and replace it with something else. Um, there's a lot of different directions people can go, but more than anything, you want to be open to these altern alternatives, right? You want to be open to, to this sort of thing. And I've lived in Indonesia and Bali for many years. I lived in Singapore and they do things differently there. Anxiety isn't something that is prevalent in society where it just takes over a person's life. They're mm -hmm. able to they're able to see it for what it is at a deeper level because I believe in the Eastern world intuition prevails over intelligence. In the Western world, intelligence leads and intuition comes last. But um but once I got my mind out of the way, I started to heal. Yeah, I you know, and, I love that what you and that's I think, the truth. what you're just saying about yeah, do you think because of our, you know, addiction, if you like, again I'm using that word, towards intelligence, um, and we're mm. you know, there doesn't seem to be such a big focus on intuition, which is just which is Absolutely. a bit crazy, right? It's, it's, do you so, think this is why yeah. we're seeing such a rise of anxiety in the Western world? We have an we, you know, we're classing it as an epidemic, it's it's mm. it's a, a, a huge thing of, you know, so many young, especially young people are experiencing anxiety like never before. Is it is this one part of it? Or do you think there's something else that's adding to, um, you know, so many people experiencing anxiety? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the, let's look at the, mm. you know, the platforms today in social media, right? Everything is mental health, mental health, mental health, mental health. But this isn't so much a mental problem. The mental health aspect is an element of what's really taking place at the deepest levels. This is an inner child problem. This could be a generational trauma problem. This could go way deeper than, than what we're given a credit for, right? So as long as we continue to think of this as a mental health problem, we'll continue to use the weakest ways to heal the problem in this context, anxiety. And that is through the conscious, logical, rational, uh, willpower-centered mind. Right. And as long as people try to logic their way and and positive think their way through fear or, or subconscious fear and anxiety, they're in for a real battle. Because, you know, if you're trying to logic, rationalize and positive think your way against so much evidence built up by the subconscious mind in terms of this is the way you need to go about your life, uh, that's a losing battle. You're going to be in a tug of war. and You're not going to win that. So. In my experience, you wake up in the morning, in the first five to 10 minutes, what you want to do is you want to, you want to close your eyes again, and you want to imagine what it's like to actually be healed. Instead of going, I have to do X, Y, Z, and feel this and feel that in order for me to feel happy and joy in my life. No, no, no. Let's, if the feeling is the thing that we're searching for, why not start there? Right? Why not? So why go through all these hoops and stuff? Why don't we just go to the feeling right away? So get up in the morning, close your eyes, and imagine your entire day unfolding the way it normally does, but as a recoverer from anxiety or recoverer from what it is you want to recover from. 
right? Do that. Now add feeling to it. Now add more sound to it. Now add a visual aspect to it. What would you see? How would you ver verbalize your truth with people? How would you socialize? This sort of thing. Well, it would look like this. Great. Now you just utilize the most important uh, 10 minutes of your day upon waking up where the subconscious mind is vulnerable to deeper suggestion. Right? Yeah, but what do most yeah. people do? We wake up in the morning and we run the same record, right? And we're surprised when we get the same negative result. And that's the zombie consciousness that I believe society is moving towards more and more every day. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. I think that's such a great exercise for people to do. Um, I'll have to ask, again, it's, uh, do you have that as a, a recording on your website? Do you have uh, resources for people to go to and to listen to this oh, yeah. sort of, con you know, the work, excellent. Um, I could talk to you all day, Dennis, obviously. Um, yeah, I me too. I can't you any longer. <laughs> it's such a great conversation. Um, so if people want to know more about your work, um, where can they find you? Go on YouTube. Uh, look up the Anxiety Guy and just you know get your feet wet with the the videos there. And, and every week I'm putting out new videos and these things called shorts, which I'm learning more about. Um, and uh, theanxietyguy.com. You can message me from there if you want to learn more about something or communicate with me. Or on Amazon, I've got a couple books there that people can read as well. So number of different yeah, ways to to get in contact. Such great resources. I want to say thank you so much for everything you do, because I know it's incredibly important work. And uh, thank you again for the resources. And thank you for coming onto the show. You're very welcome. And thank you for doing what you do, my friend. And uh, I hope to catch up soon. Thanks for listening to my special interview with Dennis Simsek. Now, if you can relate to what we were saying and you're struggling with anxiety, please do reach out to either one of us for help, whether it's one-to-one -one coaching or to ask about group workshops. One of the lies we can all fall for with anxiety is to try to heal it all by ourselves, which can be a convenient way to delay your healing, which can be part of an outdated subconscious program which thinks it's better to keep anxiety so you remain under some form of protection. Is it your time to stop struggling and start living? All the contact details for us both are in the show notes. If you want to go to my website, please look up mindsetchangeuk.com. Now, thank you so much for listening. Remember, stay awake, stay aware, and I hope you have the most beautiful day. Thank you.